What's going on, everybody? This is Justin coming to you live from San Diego, California. We got a jam-packed episode for you guys. Uh, we run through our typical sports headlines of the week. Uh, then have a great interview with Andy Patton of Score Zag Score, a man of many talents. You guys are definitely going to want to listen to that interview to get ready for this interesting Zag season, to say the least. Um, and then we have our own Gonzaga basketball segment where the hosts, Jake, Zane, and myself, discuss who we think the most important player for Gonzaga's championship run this year will be and present arguments that way. Uh, and then we discuss the NFL gauntlet, get you guys up to speed with that. Um, hint, hint, I had my first loss this season, hand up. And then we'll have our closing announcements for the week. So, uh, boys, how are we doing? Thanks, Jay Page, for that wonderful entrance, as always. Uh, this is Jake up in Capitol Hill this week, and um, I'm doing great. You know, got a little bit of golf today, or in today on a Wednesday. Don't tell the bosses, and um, feeling relaxed. Hello, hello. Zane, special guest Zane here in a dark, a dark ballard these days, boys. It is getting dark early up here, but... I got a belly full of candy and a brain full of Gonzaga basketball, baby. Let's go. Let's get after it today. What's going on, gang? This is intern Coop coming at you live from P-Town and, you know, just crushed a nice Chipotle, good old chicken bowl, and <laughs> now I'm ready to crush some content, so let's go. <laughs> zingers, zingers. Beautifully said, Cooper, as always. What's up, everybody? Intern Dan coming to you from L.A. Life's good. We've got Gonzaga basketball tipping off in a matter of days. We'll get into that heavy. And, uh, yeah, life is good. No complaints. What up, what up? Intern Zambi here. Coming at you live from Ballard as well. It is pretty dark. I think there's going to be some spooky stuff leading over from October. But other than that, my eyes are on the podcast and the ending of this Miami-Ohio game. But other than that, let's get jiggy with it. Na 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 na. Okay, okay. Let's move move it on. <laughs> unmute page, unmute. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> Our, uh, sports Once headlines. every episode. Once every episode. It'll happen. It'll happen. So are we gonna jump right in here to headlines? Do I get a toss or do I have to just, just run the show here myself? Dan, you're the headlines guy. Yeah, but but usually you you hand off the verbal baton to me, but it didn't happen today. <laughs> I hand it off to you. All right. Anyway, I uh, will take this handoff. I'll just rip it from you. Uh, let's start off. We know where we're starting, boys. Gonzaga basketball, craziest in the kennel. One week from today, we had about five minutes of practice footage today. I don't know about you guys, but that was the best five minutes I've had in a while. Oh, I could not agree more. I mean, watching uh, Balo just working through the pads, you know, dunking over Abe Eagle, uh, just he looks so big, just solid, so excited. The buzz cut is intimidating. The flat top, oh, yes, yes, and yes. Yes, 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 and yes. Exciting footage. We get into it with Andy a little bit in our interview, but what got me excited, boys, was a sneak preview of just the first 30 seconds of that clip 
where we made like eight three pointers in a row. I expect that all year. I don't know about you guys. We might not miss a shot this year. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say they wouldn't put the misses in the video. <laughs> if, if, if they existed. They were also wide open shots. <laughs> Let's keep that in mind. <laughs> hey, Jalen Suggs though in that, in that uniform. Ooh, baby. He looks like a little pit bull in that uniform. The boys look great. The boys look great. My boy Pavel looked like a stallion, the Russian stallion. I know he is. So I'm fucking stoked. Let's do it. Uh, Kispert's headband. That looks great. He looks like a, like a Gonzaga legend. Uh, the quotes that we're making the rounds today from Corey Kispert, quote, this team is going to be really good. We have a really good chance of being really, really good. Oh, end quote. That's it. I, like <laughs> I mean, Zags are always really good, but we're not often really, really good. So that's exciting. Hey, I will say this. To quote my uh, 11th grade AP US history teacher, good is the enemy of great. So I want greatness. I don't want goodness this year. Oh. Shout, like out, to Dick, shout out to Dick Woolery. <laughs> I just want to give a quick shout out to Abe Eagle, who's going to have to hold that little bag and guard Omar Balo as he goes through his trip. <laughs> Big shout out to you, buddy. We see you working. <laughs> he's he's not a small guy, but when he holds that bag for Balo, he looks like me holding the bag for Balo. I think he's oh, like man. ten. You know, Balo makes him look like like six five. Oh my god! Anywho, I don't know why, Paige. When you said Abe Eagle, I thought you said A Beagle. And I think that should be Abe Eagle's costume from now on. It's like, hi, I'm Abe Eagle. And that one is Halloween next year. You know, his first college Halloween that's not quarantined. He definitely should do that. Book it. All righty. Let's move on, boys. That's we'll good stuff. All right, moving on. Like we said, craziest in the kennel one week from today. Can't wait. Uh, meanwhile, the NBA – we might have uh, basketball starting December 22nd. The NBA and the Players Association are reportedly nearing a deal that brings basketball back December 22nd, less than two months after it ended. Uh, shocked. Shocked, to say the least. I think, I, like, I, I guess, you know, I like having my NBA on Christmas Day. Everyone, everyone likes to see, like, you know, NBA is kind of associated with Christmas Day, but... I mean, is this just a reaction to make sure we're not competing with the NFL next fall? Like, it seems hasty. Uh, it's it's to avoid the Summer Olympic clash. Oh, there you go. They, they want to be done before the Summer Olympics begin, I believe. I, I also think this is going to help the Warriors so much because they just had the entire season of, like, whatever, and everyone's coming <laughs> back healthy, like – a nine-month rest. Meanwhile, all the competitive teams have two-month turnaround. Jake had to say that because Izzy's sitting next to him right now. Mm. <laughs> He's holding a knife to me, guys. Please help. <laughs> Zabi, what do you got? Oh, I was just going to touch on what Gilman said because – <clears throat> excuse me outside of the people who are in the playoffs i feel like there wasn't a ton of stress on the bodies of the players who weren't in it because they're already locked down for that first part of quarantine so i think they'll be fine i'm a little bit nervous for the teams who made a deep run though oh yeah i mean the lakers like just to have to flip it back around like you know less than two months later and like get in the mindset of playing another season 
But so basically how it's going to work, the NBA draft is November 18th. Free agency is supposed to start after that for like three days. And then all of a sudden training camp starts December 1st. So this thing is rapidly going to start up. And the reason they're doing it is because of money. It will save the NBA close to $1 billion if they start mid-December as opposed to wait until January. So you want to know why it's happening? It's because of money. That's why everything happens, baby. That's why this podcast happens. <laughs> the interns don't know about that. Keep, keep that oh, 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 oh. What are you involved in this? <laughs> next, I, next headline, next headline. I thought it was just college credit. All right, moving on. <laughs> moving on to the game that doesn't have money, wink, college football. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence out for this weekend's marquee matchup. Notre Dame, Clemson, primetime, NBC, under the lights, no Trevor Lawrence. Instead, it is America's sweetheart, DJ We Ungalale. Not bad. <laughs> I mean, I you pronounced that last name. I had no idea how to pronounce that last name. Yeah, that's that's an all-time last name. Last name. Um, I'm a little bummed, honestly. I thought it would have been a really good matchup with Trevor Lawrence. Now I have to say it looks like it's probably in Notre Dame's favor. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, I could, I agree with you, Paige. I think I'm a little nervous. Notre Dame has been pretty streaky this year. When we play well, we play really well. We can control the ball, not give Clemson a lot of chances. We got, as always, a great, great run game, two big body tight ends. Our defense is stout, uh, so Clemson won't be able to rack up points against us. But – they're like some games, you know, like against Louisville, we just didn't show up and won by six. Like you can't do that against Clemson, no matter who the quarterback is. Yeah. Just to uh, the piggyback off Jake, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I believe it was reported that Trevor Lawrence will be on the sideline during the Notre Dame game. That will he's a big deal, I think. Yeah. And so like, you know, this is a bit of a hot take, but I think, you know, this is a little premeditated on Dabo Sweeney's part to, like, come out and say post-game after their last game, say, oh, like, Trevor Lawrence isn't playing, but then they come out and say he'll be on the sideline. I think he's basically saying that, like, there's an off chance we could lose this game, and if they do, then it, like, it, ta- it like, takes them out of the playoff picture in my mind. What does him be on the sideline have to do with that argument? I don't understand. You know what? Well, I mean, if, he's, if he if he has COVID, then why isn't he or and he's going to be on the sideline? Then why does he just not play? Because okay, here's the deal: it's it's the 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 COVID test itself <laughs> knocks him out for like ten days, but then there's a specific like cardio acclimation period that players need to go through. So medically, COVID wise, he's cleared to play, but because he hasn't gone through the necessary cardio in the week, he can't play in the game. Dan, that was freaking beautiful the way you broke that down. Yeah, I don't need the. This the is sport, what I'm here for. I don't need the sports science behind this, but I think it's bullshit. So, Notre Dame's going to win 41 17, and then we're going to the playoff and beating Bama, national champs. Oh, all right. I here's know, your. I hit that Notre Dame plus five and a half. 50 burgers. So hard. Bama's going to put a 50 burger on Notre Dame in the playoff again. <clears throat> Doesn't matter. Here's... We'll be in the playoff, Trojans. So, suck it. <laughs> okay. All right. the Pac 12 slander for later, Jacob. Here's here's your maybe not so favorable Notre Dame uh, take on this matchup. 
I, I really think this is a lose-lose for Notre Dame. If you lose, obviously that's a lose. Uh, if you win and then you have to play Clemson again and they kick your ass, that's a huge lose. This, you guys, I mean, you guys, you guys got to win this game. You have to win and then you have to win again. If you don't win again, they're, everyone's going to say, oh, you only won the first game because no Trevor Lawrence. No, not if we win this week convincingly. If we win this game by 10, 10 plus points, and I don't think you can make the Trevor Lawrence argument. Yes, you can because no. if they play Trevor Lawrence and kick your ass, then you, abs- then you don't have to make the argument because it's proven. Dude, it's Notre Dame. We can have one loss to Clemson and a win over Clemson, and we're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jake. Especially with no good Big 12 school. No other um, SEC team outside Alabama, really. No other SEC team that even looks decent. Like, I guess Georgia's okay, but no no offense, really. Yeah, this could be a great year for Notre Dame just to get in because no one else can. Yeah, and ain't that kind of our role in college football? I'm honestly fine with it. (laughs) And then you play Alabama in the first round and lose by 50. (laughs) Alabama's going to beat anybody, though. Like it, it's Alabama. Like I don't especially you, but especially you. Hey, at least we'll be there. I mean, have fun in the Sun Bowl. You don't even know if you'll be there. You don't even know if you'll be there. Oh nope, we'll be there. I can't wait. I can't wait till Judgment Day comes and you guys. Oh, we should have been there, but Clemson beat us by thirty when they had Trevor Lawrence. You know who's gonna be there on Judgment Day? Touchdown Jesus. Okay, (laughs) saving us. (laughs) Whoa. Also, I, I'm just excited. I love Mike Tirico in uh, uh, Tony Dungy. Great, great announcing pair. Great tandem. Oh, yeah. It'll be great. It's what? Number one Clemson versus number four Notre Dame? I think we're number five. Yes. Yeah. And, what's, and Jake, uh, what's the spread? Notre Dame plus five and a half. So, Coop and I have a serious investment on this game. Dude, that's wild that Clemson is still favored. Yeah, that wow. shows respect for that that team. But I mean, I can't I can't root for Notre Dame and then not bet on them to not even just win, but lose by less than a touchdown. I mean, I think the, I think the spread is good. You got to bet the spread. I would bet the spread. Are we going money line? Are we going money line? Spread. Uh, I not at, not at, not at this time. <laughs> <laughs> We, almost, I'm almost no positive comments. a couple guys that have to sit out the, the first half, too, on defense. I would go hmm. Notre Dame plus five and a half. I like that. Clemson's going to win by a field goal. I don't know. The big question is who wins the line battle. If our offensive line allows us to run it and control the clock, and we just Ian Book just has to do is I'm a perfectly average college quarterback we're fine if we're forcing ian book to win this game for us not good well let's let's just go round table and give our score prediction score prediction wow i like it i like it i think it is going to be 30 to 24 notre dame i was going to go 31 28 clemson i can't pick notre dame i just can't do it i respect that I'm going 27-21 ND. Lock it in. 27-24 Clemson. Ui Unga Lale. <laughs> Paige, what do you got? God. Um, I'll say 31-27 Notre Dame. 
Yes, that's three to All two. Right. <laughs> Irish. Oh wait, we still got Zambi. Yeah, my screen might not be on, but I'm gonna have to go. Clemson, thirty-one. Notre Dame, twenty-eight. I just placed a parlay with that and the Arizona State Sun Devils plus eleven. Zambi and I have the the same the same score, right? Thirty-one twenty-eight. Oh, both... do we? Yeah, same score. I love it. I love it. Wait, no, Zambi said thirty-one twenty-seven. Oh no, no twenty-eight. One one other note on this. I game. can change it. <laughs> no, no, no. Forecast right now four thirty Pacific time, so it's six thirty in Notre Dame. Seventy degrees. That is going to look gorgeous at Notre Dame Stadium. Nice little. Uh, so the sun will already have been set, but. That's going to be a, a hell of a hell of a scene. And like Travis Etienne is going to run wild. True. It'll show off that gold dome, the grill of college football. Love it. It'll be fun. I think that'll wrap up our sports headlines for this week. Um, and I think now's the time. First ever verbal handoff of the baton to Jake for our interview. Jake. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're here with Andy Patton, uh, the host of the Score Zags Score podcast. Uh, Andy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So I know um, you're a man of many talents. Score Zags <laughs> Score is uh, one of uh, many projects you're working on. Could you kind of uh, tell our listeners who might only know you through the Gonzaga lens, what what else uh, are you working on? Yeah, just uh, just about every sport I think I got covered. Uh, I currently write for uh, USA Today Sports Media Group covering the USC Trojans. Uh, I previously covered the Seattle Seahawks for about a couple of years there. I've also done a little work with them for Notre Dame and Wisconsin. So lots of stuff there. Uh, in addition to that, I write about fantasy baseball and specifically prospects for a website called pitcherlist.com. And I've written at SB Nation. I've written at Fansided. I've written at the Unafraid Show. I have another Mariners podcast or another podcast about the Seattle Mariners called Never Sunny in Seattle. Uh, and somehow I find time to, you know, take care of my dog and have a regular job and uh, not piss off my wife too much. So <laughs> keep pretty busy. That's how I managed to make it work. <clears throat> wow. That's amazing. Is it ever hard? Do you ever get attached to teams and then have to to leave them for for other projects? A little bit, yeah. You know, I um, I wasn't a huge Seahawks fan when I first got that job covering the team back back in 2017, and I covered them for about three years, and I never got like a huge fandom with them. Like I was really like I knew the players, I knew the coaches, you know, and I was kind of attached to it that way. So this year has been kind of weird, not going to the games and not going to the press conferences. Um, but I think I didn't ever get that full fandom. I think Gonzaga is probably the only sport that I really have this like intense fan connection to. You know, I grew up a huge Portland Trailblazers fan. And I think if I ever covered them, that might be something that kind of comes up a little bit where I'd feel that like I really want them to win. Like when I'm watching Seahawks games and I'm there at the field, like I do want them to win. But I'm also just kind of like rooting for chaos which is was convenient for a team that that was frequently the situation but like with USC I'm not, I'm not a huge USC fan I, I care a lot more about them now than I did before I started this job you know and I'm, I'm invested in the team 
from the standpoint of, you know, wanting to watch them play and hoping that they win because it's better for our site and everything like that. But I don't know. I mean, there's obviously the season hasn't started yet, so I don't know how I'm going to feel, but like, I kind of think I'll start probably wanting them to win a little bit more just because you kind of lean that way a little bit. It's just more fun, especially with a site like ours, which is growing. Like the best way for our site to get better is if they're seven Oh seven and Oh in December, you know, that's going to help us a lot. So I'm rooting for that. <laughs> Yeah, and then you get into a little of the uh, USC to the playoff talk, maybe. I don't know. Heck yeah, yeah. We've already written about it a few times, but if they're 7-0, it's going to be, it's going to be a, something to watch for sure. <laughs> well, I'll shift us back to Gonzaga just for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Obviously, big news today. I don't know if you saw it. You probably did, but mm-hmm. practice footage mm-hmm. was yes. finally released. And I know the three of us couldn't mm-hmm. have been more excited just to see guys like Suggs in a uniform, the tricky trio was all out there. Bala was looking monstrous. Yeah. What What were your takes on that yeah. video? Yeah, I, uh, I got a text from my friend Brenna Green, who works at Creme Two over there, and said, "Hey, we got some practice footage finally." I said, "Yes, fired up! Like I'm excited to see what you got going on over there." And yeah, it was awesome. You know, it was uh, it was fun to finally see the guys. Practice footage is always so you scripted catered you know i mean they picked everything that they wanted to put in there you know you didn't see a lot of misses in the highlights there Um, but that's okay like i think it was just fun to see like what the guys look like in uniform and you know just get it like realize that it's happening you know it's felt so like uh like we're looking forward to something that is not quite real you know because it's been so long and the tricky trio we've been talking about them for literal years and then with the pandemic and everything that's going on it was like is it, is it ever going to happen like are we ever going to actually see Jalen Suggs in a Gonzaga uniform and now we have and it's still you know hasn't been a game but you know you got to feel a lot more confident that three weeks down the road we're going to be playing basketball and they're going to play against Kansas and Jalen Suggs is going to be there he's not going to be overseas or in the G League or you know just skipping out and going to the NBA he's going to be he's going to play <laughs> and so it's just kind of a relief. Like that's kind of what I felt is just like a little level of like, Hey, we can breathe a little bit. This is actually going to happen. There's some footage that proves that it's happening and that we're, we're almost there and we're almost ready for the season to actually get going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just to kind of go off of that, I mean, obviously the footage was awesome. Who are you most excited to see this year? Put on the, uh, the Zag uniform. Oh man. Um, I mean, the easy answer is Jalen Suggs. Uh, It's hard to not go with him. I mean, he's such a a potentially generational talent. Uh, You know, the Zags have had incredible guard play for 20 years. I mean, you can, the amount of years where the starting point guard wasn't somebody like very, very good is like maybe two out of the last 20 years where they were in transition periods. Uh, And, you know, I think Suggs is just, he's, he's going to be here one year. There's really no debate about that, but he's going to be so much fun to watch. And, you know, I'm excited about the other guys too. I'm excited about Umar Balo is going to be somebody that is intriguing to watch. I think he's probably not on that level. I don't think he's going to come out and dominate right away in year one. I don't think he's going to be a starter, but I'm intrigued to watch him because he's not the kind of talent that the Zags normally get big guy, shot blocker, defensive minded, you know, obviously Brandon Clark was that, but for the most part, Zags have gotten very offensive, like outside shooting big men, as opposed to like just big, heavy footed guys in the paint. And so I'm kind of excited to see how they use him and what kind of role he has in year one and, and what that could look like for him going forward. So those are guys I'm just really interested in watching. I'm obviously excited about Dom and Julian and Aaron Cook and everybody else as well. But I think that just from a new guy perspective, like Suggs and Baller are going to be a lot of fun this year. Bringing up Bala, we were we were having a, a pre-interview debate 
mm-hmm. uh, on how much follow would be played. I said probably far too optimistically. I just want to see him play. I was hoping 20 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, Zane, did you say 10 was your guess? I, I said I would take the under on 15. I was mm-hmm. easy under 15. I would, I would guess probably around 10. He's probably going to say 19, just so he beats me. But uh, <laughs> from from a, a Gonzaga expert, Andy, what what do you see his playing time as? I I do think <laughs> 20s maybe a bit ambitious, uh, just because <laughs> of how good Drew Timmy is. I th- the, the obviously the big kicker here is going to be Anton Watson and how much playing time he gets, uh, and then also just whether Mark Few is willing to go with that two big lineup. I think Drew Timmy is probably capable of playing the four. We saw him play in lineups with Philip Petrusev last year at times, but it wasn't super often. The The big thing is going to be whether they feel comfortable with having Timmy rotate to be the top guy in the high-low offense. Now, we've heard that Timmy's worked on his outside shot. He's a good ball handler for a guy his size. He was a good outside shooter in high school. We didn't see a lot of it last year, but if he can be that guy where he can play the top of the key, knock down a three, drive to the hoop, or make an inbound or make a pass from the high low into Ballo, then you might see that lineup a little bit more. But also, Mark Few loves his small ball lineups, and I think you're going to see a lot of ball, or excuse me, Watson at the four, and you're going to see potentially Julian Strother or Corey Kispert play some four, and that could cut into Ballo's minutes a little bit. And then the final kicker is Pavel Zakharov and what they're going to do with him, whether they opt to redshirt him if they feel like they have enough depth up front, which would be risky whether they decide to have him in a similar role or whether they want to see a little bit more from him. So lots of decisions for Mark Few, who likes to run with an eight-man rotation and has arguably 12 guys who deserve to be on the court, and he's only got about eight spots. So he's got some some decisions he's got to make, certainly not bad decisions to have to make at all. But if I'm going to actually answer the question instead of just gerrymandering for a few minutes, uh, I'll probably say Balo is going to play 12 to 15 minutes. That's going to be my guess per game. And that will obviously fouls and things like that will dictate that, but that's where I think the average is going to be. Oh, thank you, Andy. It's always great to uh, <laughs> be right against any argument with. Okay. Me. Okay. Right. In, the, in this debate. We'll see if we're right. right. We'll see. <laughs> hey, right now I'm right. And I'll take that. Well, you brought up a very interesting point. You said we have 12 guys that mm-hmm. are basically jawing for a mm-hmm. starting position right now. And mm-hmm. a lot of them have a really good argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're actually going to see a lot of those guys square off against each other. Craziness in the kettle yep. coming up uh, next Thursday. I think it is right. The 12th. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. What, what should we be? And we actually get to stream it and watch it, which is going to be awesome. What should we be expecting from craziness in the kennel this year? Yeah. I'm, I'm obviously for me, my eyes are going to be glued to the tricky trio and Balo in particular, you know, I mean, obviously the Aaron cooks, the other new guy, but I, we kind of know what we're getting there. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not overly concerned about what he looks like because he's a graduate and we know what we got with Kispert and Timmy and all those guys. So for me, I think seeing how those, the three incoming freshmen look, obviously uh, adjusted to the game. I want to see them go up against each other. I want to see like Suggs and Ayayi guarding each other is something that I really want to see. Like we've heard that, you know, that Ayayi looks fantastic, that he looks like a future NBA, like easy NBA guy next year. Like there's kind of been some rumblings of how good he's been looking. And obviously we know Jalen Suggs is an NBA guy. So I want to see those guys go at each other, but I'd love to see like, I'd love to see Kispert and Strother on opposing teams. And I want to see those guys like guard each other a little bit. Like, I don't think that 
Strother is going to look exceptionally good defensively because he's going to be guarding one of the five best small forwards in college basketball. But I want to see kind of how he does, like how he handles that assignment. And, and if they do run some of those small ball lineups, I don't think that Mark Few is going to give away a whole ton of his game plan. You know, he's not going to do a bunch of things that are going to be exactly what we see in the game, especially since they don't have those tune-up games. Like Mark Few could mess around with these lineups and then play regular lineups against the Tarleton States and North Carolina A&Ms of the world. But now with him going straight into Kansas, like he's probably going to be a little bit more guarded with what you see and with this being streamed, obviously. So I'm not counting on taking too many firm takeaways about lineups and things like that from this because he's never really given us that much information anyway. Uh, so I'm more just excited to see kind of the individual one-on-one kind of matchups we see from particularly from the Tricky Trio. Uh, if Umar Balo dunks on Drew Timmy a few times, that's going to rile some people up. So I would love to see that too, or, or blocks a few of his shots maybe. Uh, and then, you know, one of my favorite guys on this team who I don't think is going to have a huge role, unfortunately, is Martinez Orlauskas, just a super high energy guy, uh, can play the two through the four. You could argue could maybe play even one or five if they absolutely needed him to. Uh, and again, I think this is probably going to be the most we see him play is in the craziness in the kennel. So I'll be watching him really closely with that and seeing if he's, made some improvements to his game and can maybe crawl into the rotation at times, but I think he's probably more of a a year three guy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm so excited for craziness in the kennel. Like (laughs) I need basketball in my life, but I guess the next, next best question for us might be, you know, we have this loaded non-conference slate, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we got Kansas, Auburn, uh, Tennessee, Iowa, so on and so forth. Uh, what game, I mean, it's easy to say, you know, next game, you know, that's the only one that matters, but what game are you most looking forward to and why? Yeah, I think you, I think it's gotta be Baylor. I think that's just like such a intense game between teams that are arguably one and one a in the, in the rankings. You know, I think we we've seen Baylor number one in some spots. We've seen Gonzaga number one in some spots. They're right there. You know, it's going to be, I think they're, they're going to probably be the top two teams throughout most of the year. So I'd pick that one. The matchups are going to be good. Baylor's a very experienced team. They're bringing back a lot of leadership, which will be in contrast to Gonzaga, which clearly has very good leadership in Kispert and DIE and even Drew Timmy, who played a lot last year. But, you know, the rest of their starting lineup and rotation is very, very limited. Even Ayayi is a guy who's only really played one year. Anton Watson's played a few games, not even a full year. Drew Timmy's never been a starter obviously Suggs has never been a college player. So it's, it's a weirdly kind of young team who's going to be thrown right into the fire. So Baylor's the one I'm most excited about, but second for me is Kansas. Uh, I think Iowa's probably a better team. Tennessee might even be a better team, but Kansas is such an iconic blue blood, blue blood program. That's hard to say. Um, So getting those two teams against each other, it's just a game that should have happened so long ago. (laughs) I'm glad it's finally happening. They're finally playing each other to do it on opening night potentially the first game of the season is just so fun. It's going to be great to be on that stage right away. And sure. It's a little scary that, you know, we, we have guys who've played zero college basketball minutes who have to face up against Kansas for 40 minutes, but I think they're going to look great. And I don't think that Gonzaga wins every single one of these non-conference games because their schedule is so loaded, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because they're getting this incredible experience to take with them through a conference that they should roll through. And then an NCAA tournament where they have some experience and they have some, some high leverage games under their belt, which is something that I think they're going to desperately need when they get there. Going back to, to the Kansas game, because I know you touched on experience, which Mm -hmm. I agree. It'll be very interesting at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, for the for the younger guys um 
But Kansas has also lost a lot of players too. Yeah. They lost what Azabuki and Devin mm-hmm. Dotson to the draft. Um, and I, I think they're they'll have at least two true freshmen starting. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think um, Gonzaga will have the edge in, in the first game of the season? Do yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I'll be, I haven't dug into Kansas a ton yet. I'm going to do a, an episode, you know, probably on the 23rd or 24th where I do a little bit more research onto them, but yes, they do have a couple new starters. They've always kind of rotated a lot of freshmen. I don't know if that gives them an advantage. Clearly every freshman is different, but for a program that is more used to starting true freshmen, I'm curious if that makes coach self more like he understands how to prepare guys better. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense or if that's even really true. I mean, obviously Mark few has, he's just built a program that's really good at getting guys kind of into this development churn where they kind of develop behind the scenes and then break out into stars. Obviously it used to just be with big men, but we've seen it with guys like Rui Hachimura in recent years as well. And, or Joel Iai is a great example who was there for two years before he broke out. Suggs is too good. He's not going to stick around for that long, but I think that Harris and Strother are guys who are maybe more of that development kind of thing. And so for them, I don't know that they're huge impact contributors in game one against Kansas. I don't know that the Zags need them to be because they're that loaded that two top 60 freshmen just might not matter against a team like Kansas. Uh, So I'm really intrigued. I, I need to dig into their roster a little bit more, but I do think having a guy like Corey Kispert who has so much experience has played so many minutes and a guy like Drew Timmy, who obviously only has one year of experience, but played in some high-profile games and proved that his maturity is through the roof. He's clearly ready to be at this level and arguably ready to be past this level already and I think is going to have a phenomenal year. And I think just those two guys by themselves, and of course EIE too, gives Gonzaga a nice advantage over a team like Kansas that I think is going to have to do some gelling before they're ready for March as well. Sorry, sorry for the dead silence there. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. So last last episode, we all made a bold prediction for this Gonzaga Kansas game. Putting mm-hmm. you on the hot seat right now. All right, what's your bold? I want a I want a bold prediction. Bold prediction for Gonzaga yeah. Kansas. Like realistic, like it's not you know like Kispert scores fifty or something like that. But that would be capital B bold. Um, let's yeah. See. <laughs> let's see. Uh, I will say that for the Gonzaga Kansas game that Joel I don't even know if this is that bold so if, it, if you need bolder tell me and I'll go bolder but I'm going to say that Joel <laughs> leads the team in scoring Ooh. and is like unquestionably the MVP of that game and again I don't know like I, I might research this afterwards and find out that Kansas has like an elite guard stopper on their roster that I don't know about so that then maybe that's not going to look as good. But I think Ayayi is, is going to have a huge year. And I think teams are so focused on Suggs and Kispert that he's going to be a guy who I think in the early on teams are, are not as prepared for how to guard him. And if he comes out and shoots 40% from three, which I think he was like 33, 34 last year. But if he's got more open looks this year, because teams are so focused on, because teams last year guarded the IE at the perimeter and left Ryan Woolridge open. And then Woolridge torched people for like 42%. Yeah. Uh, but this year, nobody's going to leave Jalen Suggs open. Nobody's going to leave Corey Kispert open. That means somebody's going to be a little bit open. And if a IE comes out and, you know, scores 18 points over the team's 18 points per game for the first six games, defenses are just going to have no idea what to do. And I kind of think that there's the, a bit of a strategy for the Zags to just kind of let him loose at the beginning of the year. And that's, that's kind of what I think might happen against Kansas. 
I, I really I, like that pick. I also feel like that could be a really fun game to play yeah. throughout the year. Who's going to be the leading scorer? Yeah, <laughs> it could be anybody. Just because you, uh, it could even be the sixth man off the bench. Oh, easy. In easy. certain games. And so that that's going to be, I, I think that would be kind of fun to, to do mm-hmm. throughout the year. But I want to kind of reel back a little bit. Last year, we were all heartbroken that we didn't get to experience uh, the, two, the 2020 NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. What do you make of the idea of guys like Kispert, uh, guys like Ayai, Timmy, who were there last year, were looking forward to that and now perhaps see this year as a revenge tour? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously it's not specific to Gonzaga. There are other players and other programs who, who will feel similarly. Uh, I do think that Gonzaga obviously returned three potential NBA players uh, in those three guys, Timmy, Kispert, and EIE, and potentially more guys who will in the future make the NBA, particularly Anton Watson, although he didn't have any compelling reason to leave last year after his injury. Uh, but yeah, I think there's probably some, particularly for a guy like Kispert, who very clearly is on his final run. Yes, the NCAA could grant some of these guys waivers. Corey Kispert is not coming back. He is graduating. He is going to the NBA. There's no debate about that. Um, so I think for him, it's like, yeah, I missed an opportunity. I didn't get to play in an NCAA tournament and I came to Gonzaga to play in four NCAA tournaments and I'm only going to get three. That sucks. Might as well win a championship. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know that these guys need that extra, that extra motivation. They're pretty dang motivated already, but you know, like eh, it would suck. Like I, I can't believe thinking about, you know, a guy like Killian Tilly, the amount of minutes that he played in the NCAA tournament for being a four-year player at Gonzaga is criminally low. He missed a year. He missed another year with injuries. He was coming off the bench as a freshman, like the guy, played in like such a small amount of minutes in the NCAA tournament for being a four-year player. And, and I know that guys like Kispert and Ayayi, like they want to go as deep into this tournament as they can, because they don't want to miss any games that they can. And, and so I think that there's a lot of motivation for this squad. And I think also it's just like the steady build of recruiting has been gradually getting better and better and better. And then you get a Zach Collins, which was a huge pull for the Zags because he was a five-star guy, you know, and then you start to get like, these top, top 75 guys, top 60 guys, top 40 guys. And then all of a sudden, like you get a Suggs and he commits on national TV. He rips his shirt, shows the Zags logo. Like once you get to that, like you, you got to capitalize, like you can't start doing that and still be just getting to the elite eight like that. You're no longer content with that. And the Zags have been, their goal has been beyond that for a couple of years, but now like there's scrutiny, like they're, they have to start doing better than that. And this, this roster is built to be a final four team at minimum and they, you know, I, I think these guys feel that they feel that pressure and I think they're going to build on it. I think coach few and the staff do a good job of saying, yeah, of, of t- teaching them how to deal with that pressure and not just like letting it bog them down. Like they know how to, how to channel it, how to put it towards the right things. And, you know, they brought in Jalen Suggs and yes, he's a one and done and sure this is an avenue for him to get to the NBA, but he's not here to just to do a Ben Simmons or a Markel Fultz and not really care how the team does as long as he puts up the numbers <laughs> to go to the NBA. That's not what he's here for. And so I think they have a roster built to really do that. And I think that missing the tournament last year for a couple guys will be some added motivation, but I don't even know if they need it. I think that this team is built to be that level of good and they're going to do whatever they can to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was awesome. Um, and I love how you brought up the recruiting aspect. Cause we talk about that a lot right now and the 2021, Class, although very, very weird times is shaping up to be another just historic class for the Zags. I mean, look mm-hmm. the, the guys we've gotten, some of the guys we're recruiting, Holmgren, uh, Salas, some others. But there are three guys that will be in Gonzaga uniforms and eligible to play, Nemhard, mm-hmm. Perry, 
and Greg. We'd love to hear a little bit about those guys from your perspective and, and what the Zags fans should, should expect from them. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm excited about that group, obviously. Uh, you know, Chet Holmgren's been the guy who's gotten the most attention. And before that, it was Paulo Banchero who committed to Duke and, you know, was a, a local guy. So I know a lot of people were interested in him. And Holmgren obviously gets the attention for being the number one guy in the class and having gone to high school with Suggs. And, and so I get why those guys are getting a lot of the attention. But you know, Caden Perry was, he committed a couple of years ago, or at least over a year ago. I know that. And he's local guy from the Oregon area and just didn't have a ton of buzz, but he was a bit like Dominic Harris in the sense of committed early and then has been gradually climbing up the recruiting board since then. you got to love guys like that. You know, I think that that's a really, they're motivated. They, they're going to a school that believed in them before everybody else believed in them. That carries a lot of power, a lot of weight, a lot of loyalty. And so Perry's a guy, he's got a ton of bounce. He's, he's long, he's rangy. He's kind of, he's drawn some Brandon Clark comparisons. And if you watch highlights of him, you can see why he blocks a lot of shots. He's hyper-efficient around the rim. I'd love to see that jump shot develop a little bit more uh, so that when he comes in as a freshman, he can do maybe what Clark did in his first NBA season, which was be really good from the outside, which stunned everybody because he didn't do that at all in college. Uh, so he's a guy I'm super excited about. I think he's going to be very good. I'm not sure how much he'll play in year one. It obviously depends on on if Drew Timmy comes back, if Umar Balo, you know, what he looks like in, in his first year and, and things like that. But or and Ben Gregg, obviously, is the other guy who it, it depends. Those two guys are probably going to compete for one spot realistically. And Greg was the higher rated recruit. I don't know that that gives him a much of a leg up because they're both very talented guys. But Greg's a guy who kind of came on late. I think the Zags pivoted to him after they lost out on Banchero. That's kind of the, the general consensus is what happened there. And he's really talented, top 30 guy in his class. Also from Oregon, Crater, from Crater, went to Clackamas High School, I think. Um, and just super talented guy. Uh, and more kind of that unicorn style of seven foot tall and can also shoot from the outside. And that's just a natural gift, something that he's you know, that not a lot of guys his size can do. Obviously, that's one of the reasons that Holmgren is so attractive is because he can do that as well. So Greg is a guy that I think will play right away. I think that he right now does have that advantage over Perry, but they're different players where Perry's more oriented to under the basket and more of a defensive player. Greg is probably going to struggle defensively uh, maybe for a few years until he kind of gets his feet under him. But is super talented as well. And then Nembhard, you know, obviously different situation. He's a transfer come from Florida was recruited by the Zags out of high school, Canadian guy. Obviously, they've had a lot of guards from Canada in years past, most notably Kevin Pangos. And so, you know, when he didn't go to Gonzaga, he went out to Florida. Most people thought, oh, he wants to go there so he can be a one and done, get, you know, have one good year in college and bounce. And that didn't work out for him. He didn't quite have the year that they hoped he would. And so he spent two years there and decided to transfer. And Gonzaga was pretty immediately the front runner to get him because they had that previous connection. This is just the Zags hedging their bet, knowing that Jalen Suggs is going to be gone, knowing that Jolie IE is probably going to be gone, and Nemhart's going to come in and play big minutes right away. Uh, he's going to be the starting point guard. He's going to be a Nigel Williams-Goss-esque guy. That's a really lofty comparison for him and probably the top end of what he's capable of, but we have data. I mean, we saw he averaged like 11 points per game at Florida. That's a, that's a good school, a good program. They had a lot of talent around him, and he did some really good stuff, so I think he's going to come in and be awesome for the Zags for maybe only one year, depending how it goes. He, again, like Williams Goss, who had two years of eligibility, only needed one of them before he bounced. So 
you know, to go back to a previous question you guys asked about craziness in the kennel, that's a guy I'm really excited to watch too. I kind of forgot that he's going to be playing because he's not eligible this year, but uh, that's going to be the one shot we get to look at him for an entire year. So it's going to be fun to see what he looks like in that game too. Yeah. Him guarding Suggs will be crazy. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Um, I got um, a a little information sent to me. Um, Old photo Mm -hmm. of Andy on Mm. sports illustrated. We notice rocking the blue hat. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was, that was fun. Um, So I I was on the kennel club board, my, uh, my senior year of college, uh, the year that this happened. Um, I don't know if that makes me sound old or not, but anyway, we'll keep, we'll power on. (laughs) Um, And uh, they invited us over to do a photo shoot and they did not tell us what it was for. We thought it was, we thought it was for the spokesman uh, or like maybe like something smaller than this. And uh, we did probably 200 photos. We we're probably there for 45 minutes or so. There's a bunch of pictures. I emailed the SI vault to see if they would send them to us. There's a bunch of pictures of me and Kelly with our arms wrapped around each other. Um, you can't <laughs> tell based on this picture, but we're actually next to each other in the seats. But he's just up. He's got his foot. We're in, the, we're in the bleachers and he's got his foot up on the bleacher and I'm leaning forward. So it doesn't really look like we're next to each other. But there's probably like 40 <laughs> pictures of us both flexing. And I'm glad they didn't use them because our arm comparison was very depressing. Uh, it was a very clear difference. It's never good to stand side by side yeah. with a professional athlete. No, it didn't look good. Uh, you're like, that guy's a foot shorter and his arm is like a third the size. Um, but I wish I got to see the pictures at least. I wish they'd have sent them to me so I could show like select few people that it wouldn't embarrass me. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. We didn't find out till afterwards, like, like a day later that it was through sports illustrated that was taking the pictures. They kind of tried to hide that from us. So it was a lot of fun. It turned out, turned out really good. That's great. <laughs> That's- Actually, uh, one of, one of the interns of this podcast, Mr. Dan and Serby, mm-hmm. who was, a uh, ex kennel board president. So. Oh, nice. Excellent. Yeah, well, well, Andy, we'll close this interview like we close all of our interviews on this right. prestigious podcast. Finish <laughs> this sentence. All right. Gonzaga wins it all this year if. Oh, man. Um, I think Gonzaga wins it this year if Drew Timmy is the player of the year. That's Ooh. what I'll say. Uh, we know what Corey Kispert is. We know that Jalen Suggs is going to be great. And I was going to go with something about him because, you know, he's the kind of the more of the wild card. But if Drew Timmy plays like a better version, a more well-rounded version of like Philip Petrusev, like a mixture between Petrusev in the paint and Killian Tilly outside the paint, which is asking a ton. That's a lot. <laughs> but if he can be a guy who can score, who can score under the basket reliably, which I think he he's already proven he can, and can knock down open shots. He can play the high part, the high part in the offense and the low part, and he improves defensively, which is again a lot. But if he can do that stuff and force defenders to defenses to plan around him, that allows Corey Kispert to do more with the ball. That allows Joel Yayi to do more with the ball. That just stretches stretches opposing defenses really, really thin. And so I think you know you look at Gonzaga's previous runs. Obviously, they've had great guards, and Williams Goss helped carry them to that championship. But so did Shem. So did having a guy like Shem and Zach Collins, both, and Jonathan Williams, and they had three great big men on that roster. And so I think if Drew Timmy is elite this year, that's going to make the entire offense just hum in a, in a way that I think will make them nearly unstoppable. I also don't think that there's that much that needs to happen for the Zags to be a national championship contender. The <laughs> roster's already really good, but I think that's one thing that would definitively put them in the spot where they could not only make it to that game, but, but win it. 
That's the better answer. Nothing at all needs to happen. It will happen. <laughs> Very little needs to change. <laughs> uh, well, Andy, thank you for joining us for this interview. Uh, check out his podcast, ScoreZag Score. He's just finished episode 95, so closing in on his centennial. Yep. In the middle of doing great player breakdowns, the perfect like 30-minute uh, size podcast for any drives or just if you if you're folding laundry, I, I love them. Did an Aaron Cook one today. I didn't really know much about him, but now I feel like I do. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate that too. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Andy. Okay. Have a good one, guys. You too. All right. Thanks again so much, Andy. That was an awesome interview. Uh, I'm now going to hand it off to Zambi for his first ad of the evening. Hey, hello, this is Zambi's first ad of the evening, as Justin mentioned. So we are into the month of November, and a symbol of this month is chrysanthemum. While there is fol the folklore of it symbolizing death, even though we just escaped October, barely, it's more commonly known as a symbol of life to death, originating in ancient Asian cultures. But its most popular connotation now is the queen of fall flowers originally i thought this was a state flower but wikipedia said it wasn't and with that that is my first ad thank you well done zambi well done uh and then i think i'm handing it off to zane here for the uh next gonzaga segment yeah so what we're gonna do here is a little uh little debate uh sort of you know we're gonna give our present little arguments perhaps for who the three hosts uh you know think could be the most important player to gonzaga's uh ultimate success this year and so we don't necessarily believe that the player we're arguing for is that mvp but we're going to give reasons why they could be and then at the end the interns will uh decide with an open mind who is the is is going to be the MVP? So Jake, you're up first, buddy. Who you got? Okay, thank you, Zane. Um, I have what I believe to be the gold standard the, of the Gonzaga basketball. Uh, the wise old man on the team, uh, or Odin, if you will. Uh, that's senior Corey Kispert. Um, right off the bat, the first argument I'll make is it's an intangible one. He's He's got to be the leader of the team, vocally, on the court, and almost more importantly this year, off the court, with the whole college atmosphere being affected by COVID. It's up to Corey to make sure the whole team still gels together. You obviously can't go out places anymore, but it's up to him to make sure the team is coming together, and I think he'll do that above and beyond. Now let's get into the nitty-gritty. So last year, uh, Corey, very great season. He was also asked to be uh, one of the leaders, him and Tilly. Um, last year, so he averaged uh, about 14 points a game, four rebounds, two assists, while shooting 43% from the three and 51% uh, from the four. So hell, hell of stats already right there. Um, I think for Corey to 
this season, what I'd like to see, I'd like to see all those numbers just bump up slightly. If he can keep his three-point percentage at 43%, an amazing clip, bump up his, his points per game to maybe 16, well, I'd like to see his rebounds hired. I'd like to see him at seven rebounds a game. Um, I mean, I, I think this, you know, it, it everything's going to be played through him. He's just going to be the leader, and he's going to be playing like 35 minutes a game. So I, I feel like I have the easiest task here arguing why he's the, the – MVP. Yeah. Jake, I think that is a great first overall pick. Hey, heck, these are all going to be great picks because they're all Zags, baby. Right. I'm not going to root against any. You guys could choose <laughs> Matthew Lang. I'd be all, all for it. Handshakes. You got to have them. All right. Well, there's your first nominee, Corey Kisper, as presented by Jacob Gilman. I'll give the second one because uh, this would probably be fall in line with the second most obvious, I think, would be incoming. Uh, five-star recruit, Jalen Suggs, the point guard. Let me just run through some of uh, Jalen Suggs' previous awards, gentlemen. Ranked fifth in ESPN's top 100 recruits, the highest recruited Zag in history. Led his high school team to an overall record of 111 wins to only 15 losses, boys. Three straight state titles, finalist for Naismith High School Boys National Player of the Year, first athlete in Minnesota state history to win Mr. Football and Mr. Basketball in the exact same year. Yes, he's a four-star dual threat quarterback, national max prep male athlete of the year, three-time gold medalist for Team USA in FIBA U19, U17, and U16. Boys, this is the most talented player in Gonzaga history coming in as a freshman. This guy is going to make this team click. He is a spark plug. I'm telling you right now, without a point guard, you don't do much in college basketball, specifically in the uh, NCAA tournament. I really think this team will go as Jalen Suggs go. If, if he is not, if he doesn't end up being the player we expect him to be or the player he's hyped up to be, I'm not sure how far we'll go. If he is who we expect him to be, this team is going to the final four with a very good chance to win the national championship. I mean, we, we just haven't seen a player like this and the prospect of that player being as good as he could be is why he is the most valuable player to this team. Not bad. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm almost speechless. I mean, I completely agree. God, the, the only thing I feel sorry for is there's no intramurals. Because imagine Jalen Slugs on the intramural flag football field. Dude, that'd be nuts. <laughs> that'd be yeah, nuts. I could have played for Iowa State, but this went to God's head. <laughs> Didn't he have offers from like Ohio State too? I think so, and I think Alabama, too. That's nuts. I'm pretty yeah, sure it's uh, Michigan State. Yeah, one of the funnier stats that I like have heard thrown out there is that Gonzaga, for their basketball team, has received a higher-ranked recruited quarterback than Wazoo has ever received for their <laughs> college football team. Yeah, we got Suggs and Offweiler, right? Yeah. 
That's wild. And so, and so that's your second nominee right there. We got Corey Kispert, number one from Jake, Jalen Suggs from me, special guest Zane. Third, Justin Page, who you got for us? Yes, this one's definitely a little bit of a curveball, but I think, you know, with the segment being the most important player, everyone knows about Kispert, everyone knows about Suggs, everyone knows about Timmy. And highlighting a comment Andy made in our interview, he said, you know, the year that we had that big run to the Final Four and the championship game, we had a couple really dominant bigs that would come in and and shake things up with Shemek and with uh, Zach Collins. And so this player, he didn't play a whole lot last year, but I do think he's the most talented wing forward we have. Um, and that is Anton Watson. And he's going to do a lot of things that don't always show up in the stat sheet, but he's our by far our most versatile player um, as in terms of overall versatility. The Zags don't really have a whole lot of that um, because when you're going to match up with these teams, you know, on the East Coast, like Duke, like Villanova, like uh, North Carolina, whoever it might be, they have a lot of these long rangy wings that the only player on Gonzaga's roster that can squarely match up with them besides maybe Kispert because he's a four-year senior is Anton Watson. He's going to take that responsibility night in and night out and guard the best forward. And at the same time, he has an incredible basketball feel. He has a lot of really good attributes in regards to just, you know, defensive mechanics, things like that. Um, So I think, you know, in terms of overall team impact, I think as good as Anton is, he needs to be great this year because, we really don't have any proven bigs besides Timmy and he needs to step up in a big way. Uh, if whether it's at the head of that press, like he did at the beginning of last year or, or guarding the best player on the other team uh, in terms of wings. Um, that's why I think he's the most important player this year. I love that rationale. I love with the hot take as well. I personally think Anton Watson, I mean, we're only not talking about him because we got the tricky trio coming back. We have Corey Kispert, who decided to withdraw from the draft. We got Drew Timmy, who is like a big name. Anton Watson was starting ahead of Drew Timmy before Drew Timmy was even getting playing time. So I, maybe he wasn't starting, but he was on the court ahead mm-hmm. of Timmy, it seemed like. So I, I like that pick. I think there's a good argument there. Uh, I totally agree because oh, I just think back to when we were playing the press and you have Anton Watson at the front, like – Teams did not know what to do. Uh, granted, we were playing against the some of the tune-up squads in some of those cases, but like yeah. even against like Texas A or yeah Texas A and M and other teams, like he presents a problem. And the Zags, I mean, we're going for a third year in a row where we want to be the number one offense in the nation. Like that's expected. So really, mm-hmm. what we need is defense. And I think you hit the nail on the head that Watson that. Yeah, exactly. And he just does so many things like well. And I think a note that I really like and and want to talk about real quick is whenever Mark Few talks about Anton, he talks about his basketball IQ and just how easy the game comes to him. And I think that says a lot because he's had a really a lot of really smart players, uh, both on this year's roster and in the past. And for him to constantly, you know, talk about that, I think that says a lot where, you know, he can just do so many things like he can lead the press. He can. Uh, I mean, if he had to take the ball up the court, you know, he can 
run the pick and roll as the as a screen man. You know, he can guard the best wing. So he just does a lot for Gonzaga and, you know, takes a little bit of the defensive stress off of like a Kispert, um, a Suggs, and a Yai. And I think uh, that's just really valuable. Great. Well, again, boys, three phenomenal players. We got Jake arguing for Corey Kispert, myself for Jalen Suggs, Justin Page for Anton Watson. Now I'm going to break the rules just a little bit here because I would be remiss to not just at least bring up Drew Timmy's name in this conversation. Chris Zambi, I know you previously mentioned that you think Timmy might fit in this category. Can you give us a quick impromptu argument? Yeah, I, I wasn't ready for this. Um, well, on the spot. One part here is that Timmy, rumors on the street, is he's going to be rocking a headband. That gives you like plus five strength right off the bat. Secondly, we all know with Gonzaga's program in terms of developing bigs, we all see, we all saw what he could do last year. I think this year he's just going to be a step ahead, even if he didn't look as built as Ballo in the hype videos that we just saw today. I think that along with experience, I mean, he's basically on the court for the majority of the time with Watson being out. And I just really think he's going to develop a lot and lay some hammers and possibly take some hammers after the game. You never know. (laughs) Well, okay. Now I, I hate to break the rules again, but we can't name four of our five starters as candidates and not include the fifth. So Cooper Hoon argument for Joel Ayayi, <laughs> the French Flash. Why will he be MVP? French Flash. Oh, jeez. Um, uh, I think. <laughs> well, I really, really throw me uh, under the bus here, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I think my guy is definitely a uh, Corey Kispert. Um, but if we want to make an argument for Joel, I think it's, um. I think he has all the uh, intangibles. Um, I think if, you know, Jalen Suggs is struggling, you know, to start the season, which I fully expect him to, I think it's just, you know, kind of the reality of being a freshman point guard is that it's not, it's not the easiest transition. I think Joel is going to take that burden off of him a bit. Um, And yeah, he can, you know, he can drive to the lane. He can, he can pull up and shoot the three. So he can do it all. That's... Dan, give him give him a little assistance. We'll do a little combo here because you're the only one who hasn't spoken yet. You gotta unmute though first. For Joel, right? Yeah, yeah. For Joel, you can give us your first take and then give us Joel. My first take on someone else that we haven't mentioned yet. No, 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 no. no. Well, just give us Joel. Just give us Joel. You're Go arguing Arlauskas. Go. <laughs> All I will say is that Joel was a cold-blooded assassin last year. He was the guy that had the ball in his hand anytime he needed a clutch bucket at UW. Like, I think everyone watching those games would be like, oh, no, don't shoot that. And then it goes in, and then Joel's just the guy. So if he's got that mentality to just be the killer, you know, with the shot clock running down, time running down, that just makes the whole team, one through five, you know, someone that can knock down a big shot. Joel's done it. He's done it on the big stage. And I think he was going to just explode. If you think about last year, winning WCC tournament, most most outstanding player. So I think there is certainly an argument for the French flash, French, French, French flash. That is tough. 
tough, tough, tough to speak but English. Catchy. <laughs> French, French. Very, yeah. very catchy. Hard and to we, say. We had uh, Andy talking about uh, Ayai a little bit too, and just his his ability to score. His bold prediction, as you just heard, was for Ayai to be the leading scorer against Kansas. Uh, he joined in our little bold predictions there. But now that we've named the starting five, <laughs> we've all given our arguments. Who do you actually think it is? Jake, go. Um, I'm going to go with Kispert because I think this team's going to be so balanced that it will be hard to say who on the court is MVP for the season. So I'm just going to add Kispert with because of the intangibles of mm-hmm. leadership. I like that. I like that. Paige, go. Um, I mean, it's hard to argue against Kispert, honestly, because he seems to have taken that like vocal leadership role with the young guys and whatnot. Um, so I'll, I'll roll with Kispert as well. Nice. Cooper. Yeah, got to follow suit here and stick with that, Corey. Um, I think the big thing that we haven't mentioned yet is I believe he's the only one on the team with a true NCAA tournament experience. Am I correct? Carry the five. Oh, man. Is that yeah. yeah? Because of last year. So, and I, I think that's going to be huge. Hey, intern Coop with the big stats right there. Ooh. There you go, Coop. You know, you can give me a gold star later, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I just think that's going to be huge given how this team doesn't have that experience yet. So he's going to be one that, uh, you know, gathers the troops when uh, times are rough and, you know, gets, gets us that much needed basket against Duke and gets us the, gets us the natty. So uh, yeah, Corey. Nice. Big. That's three for Corey Kispert right there. Daniel. Going into this, I was locked in Kispert, Kispert, Kispert. No one can change my mind. Lawyer Zane might have changed my mind. I'm going oh. Jalen Suggs. Oh, baby. <laughs> I'm going Jalen Suggs. That, that, was a, that was a hell of an argument. Uh, I think if you think about Mark Few's teams, they're all about the point guard play. And, you know, last year, Ryan Woolridge, I think, was so underrated, but such a huge part of that team. And if Jalen Suggs can come in and – not play like a freshman, play like a guy that's been there and then just, you know, have his full game on display, be able to shoot it, distribute, drive, you know, do do it all, then that's just going to make the, – the court's going to be so spread out. It's going to be unbelievable to defend. And I just love his competitiveness from that football background where I think Jalen Suggs will be the reason we win it all, boys. Nice. Zambi. Um, you know, I'm going to have to go with my man, uh, Mr. Taco master himself, Matt Lang. <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> writing, a writing candidate from Christopher Zambler. Hey, you know, everyone not loves yet. free tacos. <laughs> um, no, I think it's going to be Kispert as well. Uh, it's a great point Cooper brought up about NCAA experience. Um, I think Suggs, I mean, as talented as he is, I think there's still going to be a transition period for him in the NCAA because if you look at our schedule we're playing some great teams granted I think that transition will be um, expedited due to all this competition but um, I think at the end of the day it's Kispert who's going to be leading the cavalry circling the wagons you know awesome great pick Zambi well we got one currently for Jalen Suggs we got four for Kispert 
I'll go ahead and make it five for Kisper. I'm glad I could convince you, Dan, because I couldn't even convince myself. My biggest thing with Kisper is that (laughs) this team will eventually, inevitably face some adversity, whether that comes in the first game against Kansas or whether it comes in the championship game against someone else. We're going to face adversity. Kansas. And when that adversity (laughs) comes against us, we're going to rely on our senior leadership, and that is going to be Kispert. This is the year he does not turn into a ghost on the floor. This is the year he is there consistently, and he carries this team, and he's our guy. That's our guy. So there you have it, folks. Five votes for Corey Kispert. One got swayed. That's Dan and Serpy for Jalen Suggs, but all great arguments. That is talking Zags with the boys, boys, lots of toys. Love that. that. Um, All righty. Well, we'll move right along. Uh, Quick NFL gauntlet recap. Um, Pretty exciting week this week, actually. Um, I was handed my first loss. Hand up. It is what it is. Um, But we decided we'd also update you guys on everything else going on. Uh, Zane uh, also lost this week. So the current standings are – Myself, Gilman, and Dan all have one loss. Uh, Zane and Zambi have two losses. And as you all know, Cooper will be rocking that fresh BYU tattoo with three losses already. When does he have to do it? Can we can we establish that? Didn't we say whenever I my next time up in Seattle? Wasn't that – I think we were all in agreement with that. You might That's- hide. You might never come up. Yeah. Coop's doing a legal oh, that, loophole. That, that's not my problem. <laughs> I, I think like, November 25th, tip yeah, off I, Kansas game. You got to have the BYU tap. I think so. I think so. I like the deadline. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's make it happen. But, yeah. Uh, like, come like, up in November sometime. I mean, they stay for a month, so it will still be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But um, leading us off this week, we have you, Mr. Page. So, um, who do you got? Ooh, not going to lie, boys. I've not checked out the slate. Oh, God. There is a – I'm going to go with the quick win here. Uh, <laughs> looks like I haven't picked this team yet. Uh, that's actually kind of bailing it out. Do I go for a riskier win here or do I uh, just go for the easy dub? What do you guys think? Quicker. Quicker the better. Yeah. Oh, Quicker? I don't know. It's getting hard now. And it is I'm getting hard. to think. You want to save, you want to save your big guns, you know? It's, it's the first round time. pick here. But you, you got to think that one of these guys with, with two losses is going to bow out soon, and then it's just going to be a war of attrition to the end. God, then it's just going to be all shit. He's tinkering. He's tinkering. tinkering. I'm a, hey, I'll, I'll stick to my strategy all, all season long. It's, it's gotten me here. Uh, I'm picking Steelers over Cowboys. Good pick. Oh, that's boy. A, that's Risky. a good pick. Lock that but, Cowboys are America's team. You don't like you don't like Garrett Gilbert, you know, <laughs> leading leading the boys to a dub. Horns down. No, nope, we don't like Garrett Gilbert. So sad. So sad. Okay, right, we got Jake in the two slot. Uh, for my for my pick, I think I'm doing a very great value pick right here because there's three things constant: death, taxes. And the Jets are so no, goddamn bad. So I'm taking the New England Patriots 
No way Bill Belichick loses to this trash can fire that is in New Jersey. Um, Patriots. Goodness. Oh, Dang, I, I really am mad that you picked that right there, Jake, because I wanted it. Yeah, it was either – if that was taken, I probably would have taken like a high-profile team, you know, yeah. a top 10 team. But the Jets just suck, you know. Jets just suck. Cowboys are <laughs> – uh, That turns me over to you, too, so uh, what's our – where are we going? What direction are we going with? All right, boys. Well, I'm not going to lie. We're on the hot seat here. Um, we've we've been we've been a little cold spell. Uh, we've lost a couple backs against the wall. Um, and I, you know, this is the first time I've actually done my research a little bit. I've looked ahead a couple of weeks, maybe a mistake, maybe not, but I do believe we received some news earlier today about one Matthew Stafford and the Detroit lions. Correct. News that he's placed on the list, not news that he's not playing. Oh, is that the same thing? Nope. I thought he's officially ruled out. Yeah, I I thought he was ruled out too. I I saw he could still play. I think it's Chase Daniel time. Oh boy. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm sticking to my guns, whether he's playing or not, and I'm getting a little risque here. I'm taking the Vikings over the Lions. Oh, is that all she wrote for Zane? If Stafford doesn't play, I feel 100% confident Dude, in that game. This is the classic trap game because you have the Vikings who were red hot last week beating the Packers. <laughs> but Chase Daniels, as someone who's been very frustrated with their starting quarterback, and Chase Daniels can play sometimes, and Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. But this game True. is in prime time, right? Like, that's your only saving grace. God, no, this is not prime time. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. <clears throat> I picked this pick, thinking, knowing that if I nail this pick this week, I'm gonna be safe the next two weeks. That's that's pretty much my rationale going into this one. You're never safe yeah. in this league. <laughs> J. Page thought he was safe with the Titans against the Bengals, but uh, that is true. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know. did warn. I did warn about the Bengals. Remember? Don't forget. Scrappy, they're scrappy. Yeah. So unfortunately, I'll be subjected to watching my second Vikings game of the year. <laughs> Goal. Painful. All right, moving on. We got a Zambi. All right. So I'm kind of surprised no one took either of these, but um, I can see why when Zane brings up future earnings here. I'm super torn. I want to go with the Packers against the Niners since they only have one active wide receiver. <laughs> that team and, is decimated. And they play it. Ah, God, I'm so torn. Uh, wait, let me double check next week's real quick. Well, while you're double checking, I learning from Dan earlier today after he went back and checked all of our previous teams, this is going to be hard, boys. The next three <laughs> weeks, this could be over in three weeks. Oh, for sure. All the heavyweights are gone, pretty much, for most of us here. Uh, I still got Ravens, Steelers, Titans. I've, I've paced okay. myself. Besides the Chiefs and Seahawks, not too many you. heavy hitters. You say we're cheating? I got, I got a couple. I still got the Chiefs, Bucks, Hawks, Saints. I'm okay. All right. This week, I picked the Vikings for some reason. <laughs> My decision is in. 
I'm going with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, <laughs> uh, nice, nice Aust- pick. I- nice Australian rules football tomorrow, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a classic. Just get me to next week pick right there. Uh, well, they have one wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, there's literally no way the Packers lose that game. Yeah, is he is this in the background looking so angry? <laughs> <laughs> the Niners, when they're healthy, are like as good as anybody. I think with a full complement and with a great coach of Kyle Shanahan. But I mean, come on. This team is bad now. Kittle out the rest of the year. Do they come out? Possibly. Pretty much, yeah. Possibly. All right, so that goes to me. Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, boy. There's not, uh, there's not much great. <laughs> uh, there's one that I like. There's one that I like, and it's it's an interesting one. Give me the one in six Houston Texans. Against the Jaguars. Oh, that's it. That's it. I like that one. I like that. Uh, one. I feel the Jaguars. I think Jake Luton is playing quarterback. <laughs> yeah, they don't have Minshew Magic, do they? No, dude. How is Colin Kaepernick not in the league? Like Jake Luton? Who? Who is the Cowboys quarterback? Who? Gary, Gary Gilbert, baby. <laughs> Gary Gilbert sounds like Doctor Seuss character. <laughs> but. Boys, I'm telling you, this is getting tough because I was looking at the only one Chiefs Panthers left on the board. Clearly, everyone's playing long game if they haven't picked the Chiefs yet. Because that was that was the easiest one of the week. I picked the Chiefs and I didn't know I picked the Chiefs until today. So, yeah, that's tough. I'll pick the Chiefs against the Jets. I did that was the most layup pick ever. (laughs) Yeah, no one wants. Does anyone have the Chiefs? I thought about it. I have the Chiefs left. No one yeah, wants to put I'd... their dick on the table and pick the Bucks Saints game. Dude, I was looking yeah. at that. I really wanted to go Bucks, but the Bucks have better games going forward. Should we should we talk about that real quick? Who do we got? Absolutely. I love the Bucks this week. I love the Bucks too. I think the Bucks are like borderline like a top three team in the league right now. The Bucks, the they, they did look pretty sus against the Giants, though. Dude, that was a trap game if I've ever seen one. Are you yeah. kidding me? And yeah. don't forget about who's joining the team next week. Mr. Clowntonio69, Antonio Brown. Can we imagine, (laughs) just for a second, how often the breaking news banner is going to be flashing up in that game? Because it's going to be Tom Brady and Drew Brees going against each other, and every touchdown, they're going to be trading who has the most touchdown passes in NFL history, and it's just (laughs) so annoying. Like, I was watching the Saints game last week. I'm like, it's not breaking news. They're still both playing. Stop it and let me just be sad about the Bears right now. I'm taking – personally, I'm taking the Saints. I think they get Mike Thomas back. I I like it. Yeah, I, I'm going for the Saints as well. Um, they're definitely getting other – excuse me, getting under people's skin, hence uh, the Bears this past weekend. And it's Drew Brees. Battle of two great quarterbacks, but – they have that hurricane strength right now, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm going back. I'm also Give choosing me Saints. Give me back. Wow. So we're a – we got three three v. three here, right? A house divided. I like it. Antonio Brown, got to be scary. Both on the field and off the field. Oh, be scary. oh God. 
<laughs> All right. Is it time to send us into the corner? Yeah, send us to the corner, Zambi. To the corner. All right, all right. Welcome to Zambi's Corner for this weekend. So, I've been focusing on Halloween and Sam Hain a lot recently, so I decided to switch it up a little bit. We're getting to those darker days. It's getting a little bit colder out. People are getting pissed off about random shit. But it is also cuffing season. It is upon us. This will last you until Valentine's Day. While the exact reason behind cuffing season varies, according to Urban Dictionary, it is the cold season when everyone's coupling up, so you settle for a new boyfriend or girlfriend way below your standards. Or you're one of the smart ones who cozies up with a Coors Light and your pupper, BFF. Essentially, in terms of cuffing season, there's a Vicky Mendoza line here. The x-axis is going to be how cold it is outside. The y-axis is the need to be cuffed. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Babenet.com breaks down cuffing season into three stages. It's hella cold outside. So many disgustingly romantic activities. And finally, my parents will shut the fuck up. The main things you really have to worry about during cuffing season here is having your favorite sweatshirt stolen, catching the feels, or being left with the bill when they say they need to go to the bathroom and never come back. It's not fun. I digress, though. But the things that could be cool about this, you got to do cool seasonal activities that are typically couple-based, but you don't really care about her, just the activity. Secondly, you can actually hit it off and get married or maybe knock her up. It's up to you. <laughs> and lastly, you get some fire IG stories and or she might get on the grid. And with that, that is Zambi's Corner. <laughs> oh, oh god oh boy that was electric that was the corner all right tis the season god i thought halloween was over that was the scariest <laughs> thing i've experienced all year <laughs> that was wild um all right well hey thanks sammy we that was an interesting trip to the corner to say the least <laughs> um closing announcements this week other shit we're watching guys anything uh of note uh, Pac-12 is back, baby. First and foremost, that means USC football is back. And uh, we got a little inter, uh, inter-podcast rivalry game this week, I think, if you could call it that. USC's taking on Zamblin's ASU Sun Devils. Zambi, what you got for us? Hey, uh, first and foremost, forks up, baby. <laughs> I mean, granted, we are a 11-point underdog in this game. Uh, I think Jane Daniels is just on next level. We have Frank Darby at the wide receiver slot. We did lose Brandon Ayuk, but I don't know. I'm pretty excited to watch it, toss you some shit, and then throw the shocker or some call it the fork up a couple times. Yeah. Um, USC coming in at number 20. I really, I don't know how that is a uh, like ranking right now. I think uh, that's just maybe people are remembering early 2000s or Sam Darnold years, but I, I tend to, even as a USC fan, tend to think that's a little high to start the season off. But, you know, from all, all reports, Keaton Slovis is the fucking real deal. So I'm pretty excited to see that guy in a, like, throw it, like a, a heavy air raid offense again this year. We got some solid, pretty much everyone coming back. Um, this team, I mean, if they don't go 7-0, and like, I, I, they have, they should go 7-0. and 
They really don't have a huge game on their schedule. Um, I don't want to look past ASU. 11 points seems like a lot. Um, I don't know. I'll be, I'll be watching skeptically. I'm not sold on my Trojans yet this year. Well, there's nothing to be sold on yet because we haven't seen them. It is uh, ridiculous that it's early November. We haven't seen SC play yet, but here we are. 9 a.m. kickoff in the colleague. Going to be electric. Nobody in the stands. Not even family allowed at this game. Um, but if you want something on this game, take the over. Neither defense is going to stop anybody, especially to start the season. SC historically is so goddamn horrible against a quarterback that has legs. So <laughs> this quarterback, oh. what's his name? J- Jaden McDaniels or Jaden no, Daniels? Daniels? Daniels. McDaniels yep. was old UW basketball. UW guy. Okay. Jaden Daniels is going <laughs> to just do that thing, Zane, that we've seen ever since Vince Young went to the corner where no one could stop a running quarterback. I'm not sold. I'm not sold on, on Daniels. I'll, I'll, he has moments where you're like, holy shit. Like this guy could be like really legit. I think for a while, like in his freshman year, he was breaking off like 90 yard run, 90 yard runs all the time. I don't, he had a really silent year last year. And I think USC jumped out to like a 28 to zero lead at one point in that game. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm not really worried about ASU. I'm more worried about USC just like turning the ball over and doing stupid stuff. No, I've, I, I think SC's offense is going to be a freaking clinic. Yeah. What, what is the over? What, what's the what 58 and a half? Oh, that's the easiest yeah. over in the world. <laughs> Boom. Take it. Over. And I will say though, you guys have Clay Hilton. So true. True. I'm pretty confident. Hey, he's got nothing to lose. Hey, that's the most dangerous coach in football right there. We are we going to spice this up a bit? We putting a bet on this game? I'll bet uh, on this game. I'll bet on this game. Absolutely. Easy, easiest bet of my life. I mean, I'm straight up, right? (laughs) Uh, Money line? Yeah, Yeah. easy. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I need to check my bookie account. Uh, Let's see here. (laughs) We can can do something. Let's just do like 15 bucks straight up. And then you guys actually have to make me eat wings this time. I've been asking for this. Oh, Zambi, you're coming over to my house. Yeah. I say house. My apartment. My tiny apartment (laughs) on Saturday morning. At halftime, that's when we're going to be doing the wings, baby. Fuck yeah. Nice 10.30 a.m. wings. Got to love it. Yeah. Spicy but shit. Other, other oh, Pac-12 right. games that are kind of exciting this week were West Coast podcast. So Oregon-Stanford, that's actually that's a pretty good game right there. I don't know if Stanford's kind of back this year or what. Oregon's number 12 in the country. I think that's going to be a good game. I'll check it out. 4.30. Why not? Does anyone know who Oregon's quarterback is? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Justin Herbert. Nope. <laughs> I don't know who Stanford quarterback is. I don't know anything about either one of these teams other than yeah. Oregon's going to have their super fast guys and a good offensive line. Yeah, that's an ABC game too. So that, that'll be a big game. On Fowler Saturday. and Herbie on the call on that one. Uh, and so we've given you two pretty good Pac-12 games. Tune in, tune in. Here's a toilet bowl one if you're really looking for something to uh, ruffle <laughs> your feathers about. 7.30 p.m. We have Oregon State playing against their hosting your Washington State Cougars, baby. That is the worst game, sporting event of of the calendar, right there. Pac-12 after dark, though, so you gotta love it. <laughs> Something Here's weird that. is gonna happen in this game. It's gonna be like eighty-nine to ninety-five final score. It's oh, gonna, it's gonna go to like quadruple overtime, and <laughs> I mean, the quarterback's gonna have like six hundred yards of passing. <laughs> I genuinely missed Pac-12 after dark on Saturdays. It's like the game of the week finishes. You're like. Where's Oregon State? Where's oh, Wazoo? Pac-12 Pac-12 Dark is the best. On the same field. 
Yeah. Pac-12 after dark's the best. You had a long day Saturday drinking. You're like at 730. It's dark out. You just want to like kick back, watch you fall asleep at halftime, wake up to the score. turns out it was a great game. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you dub playing Cal. Cal's got a COVID case though. So stand by on that one. Could be oh. You dub with the first one of the season. <laughs> That's all I got for Pac-12. It'll be electric. You guys, watching, right. you guys watching anything else this weekend? Mandalorian, nah. Mandalorian, maybe. Oh, for, for, great first oh, episode. First episode looking is fire. Looking forward, to it. looking forward to it, but um, Bachelorette's on tonight. Week. It is on tonight. Yes, big That's episode correct. of the you Bachelorette. The Bachelor Tasha's coming, Dan. Tasha's coming, so watch out. Tasha, oh hell yeah, <laughs> yeah baby, there we go. Is Dan our new Bachelorette correspondent? Oh, I will absolutely do that. <laughs> And interns can do this on their own time, okay? <laughs> hey, it's billing hours. <laughs> At least. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> well, boys, I think we've given our audience enough content for one episode. Not that I don't love chatting it up with you boys. Um, yeah, but thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Thanks again to Andy for the fire interview. Um, definitely want to listen to that if you're trying to get ready for Zach's basketball season. Guys, any final remarks? Thank God it's basketball season, baby. Second retweet, just I I can't wait. I literally this is possibly the most excited I've been. Actually, it definitely is for college basketball season. Yeah, I just November twenty fifth can't come soon enough. Oh, who cares about November twenty fifth? Give me craziness next week. I will gobble that thing up. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Stronger choice, <laughs> but I do like the gobble. It is, it is a holiday it's, spirit in the holiday It's gobble spirit. season. It's gobble it, season. It's gobble, gobble, season, baby. <laughs> gobble, gobble. Well, uh, right. my closing comments here. Uh, this is actually the first episode we have not had tequila involved, so I'd like to let the listeners know about that. Thank you, thank you, and <laughs> go Zags, fork and devils, and we'll see you guys next week. All right. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye.